So tonight, yeah, I'm really honored to be here, and I feel like so I'm going to talk to you all here, talking to Zoom, and and going to share a story. I know some will watch this later. This kind of developed this week. Um, Jonathan sends me a word. So if you saw the email, there was a word that came in my heart for El Dorado the last time I was here, three years ago at Equip. And so I was kind of chewing on that praying, and then I didn't know Jonathan was sick. He said, hey, are you thinking of actually coming on Saturday? I said, yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to be there. And he said, great, you're going to be sharing. Um, He said, I've been sick. And so that's kind of how we're here tonight. Um, As I was praying, though, um, Dick and Jonathan, I wanted to give you a word up front. I was just praying, and I was thinking of the two of you and your partnership and your friendship, how the Lord... Yeah, in a new way, where Dick, you have served Sam faithfully in the prophetic for, for lots of years, and now the two of you are working together. And, and so I didn't have a, a clear word initially. My heart was just drawn to, to share something with both of you. And then I just, here's my brain. You guys know in the prophetic, sometimes he uses weird things. This is, sometimes, this is one of those things, okay? Um, and, and so I just thought of their initials working together. It's like, okay, DJ. Okay, then this is where my brain, you just have to excuse, I've been watching the Bulls documentary that was on. And the team right before the Bulls, well, a couple before that was good in the 80s, was the Boston Celtics. Do I have any Celtics fans here? Did anybody watch them? Okay, so they had a point guard. His name was DJ. And DJ was the point guard, and hardly anybody knows of him because they had an amazing team of Larry Bird and they were like this Hall of Fame team, one of the best teams ever. But DJ was the point guard for this team. And so, Dick and Jonathan, when you hear that, I felt like the skills that you guys bring together in leadership and in the prophetic is a sign of the body. And you, as a point guard gives the ball, passes to a team, I felt like that's what you guys are doing in this town to the elders, to the leaders, that you guys have authority and something. The Lord's given the two of you something, but then you're passing the ball as a point guard. And so actually, I just feel like that's part of the assignment here is in the prophetic. So kind of a weird word to start, but felt it. And so going to do that. So I want to share a little bit kind of a story that's really been on my heart for for three to four years since I've joined the DN family. And so I'm going to connect the story that God's had me on, and then I want to hopefully connect it to El Dorado and just give a word of of encouragement. Let me ask this question as as you, um, so we start. How many of you know what times of dullness and dryness in your life are like? Does anybody know times of dryness, times of dullness, where you're missing, you're longing for the Holy Spirit, you're longing for the Lord, and there's not much. How many times have you read the Bible, and you're reading it, and it's like, wow, this is not hitting my heart? Or can you remember times before Christ, before you knew the Lord, and you're just longing for something? So you're going after thing after thing, longing to be satisfied. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Or is it just me that knows the dullness? Yeah, we know that experience, don't we? When life hits and, and we're longing, there's like, there's got to be something more. Well, I found myself in a similar situation. I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home and in college started having encounters with the Holy Spirit, having um, times where the Lord was encountering me. And I felt like it was, there was something he wanted to do in my heart 
But I got into to ministry, and if I'm honest, I, I, I didn't know how to surrender fully to the Holy Spirit. And so there was a constant mixture, constant striving that I was doing in ministry. And that led to 2008 when my brother passed away. I was burned out in ministry. And then that had four years of, of wandering, four years of dryness in my heart. There's a, there's a longer thing that had led up to it, but it was a, there was a season of hardness, season of bitterness, a season of feeling lonely, a season of feeling passed over that no one cared, that I, I was on my own. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Has, have you been there? I remember a distinct moment. I, I was driving, though, and in the middle, it, see, God uses the wilderness. He uses that time to get us ready for something new. He uses wilderness. He uses times of dryness to, to go deeper in him. And so I'm in 2012, and I remember a distinct time. I lived on 13th Street, right, right in the city. And I pulled in, and I remember just finally relaxing, saying, God, if you don't need to use me, I'm actually okay being myself. See, for so long, I thought I had to be somebody else in ministry. I had to do something for somebody to, to like me, to prove. And so in this time of dryness, I, I guess I just thought, yeah, like no one cares about me. And it was just really deep. But it was in that moment of surrender. You guys, honestly, when I prayed that, it was after the Lord's like, yeah, I've been waiting for you. And now I'm coming. Now I'm going to come and start plowing ground in your heart. And so that there came a season of intentionally wrestling, and, and then all of a sudden he started encountering me, May of 2012, and all of a sudden Angie and I were doing prayer and worship, and the presence of God would show up for a few hours, we'd worship, and then the next day I was like, well, that was cool, what was that? And that happened week after week in, in moments of prayer, and I just started getting really hungry for the presence of God, and that led to, to January of 2013. And I did a, a, a starting some, a season of fasting. And I went to this cabin that my dad had built for in honor of my brother. And I'm out there. And for three days, all I could do was think of the word fire. I stared at a fireplace. I read a book that talked about fire. There's a picture of fire. And I listened to music about the fire and presence of God. And something happened in that cabin. When I came back to Wichita after three days of solitude, but of meeting the Lord, it was as if I was looking from black and white to color and in 3D in my life. I was 37, 38, and it was like, oh, wow, like life's different. I had encountered his presence. And that sent me on a journey as the Lord started calling me into this this thing we call revival and prayer and intimacy with the Lord. And that led to, to 2015. 2015, I'm leading some prayer at World Impact. I had met Sam, was scared of him when he asked me about my heart and my prayer life. And I was like, yeah, you don't, why are you asking me those questions? And that was in October of 2014, so I didn't talk to him too much after that. Fast forward six months later, he calls me on the phone. He said, hey, I, I heard, he shares this phrase, you guys have heard it, out of Korea. There are global consequences for what Kansas does in prayer. And Sam 
rallies 10 of us prayer leaders and we're starting to meet at Great Harvest. So suddenly Sam became my spiritual father. He disciples me, put me in order. Things that I needed long in my life suddenly were happening. And then this prayer movement takes off. And then in, we get to 2016 and, and it seems like God was doing something in a lot of people's lives in Wichita and suddenly disciple nations formed. I'm meeting Chris and Julia and all these new people. And the Lord said, I actually need you guys to leave World Impact. Like, wow, there was a new calling. But in the middle of that, so let me give you, this is the story part of the history of wheat in Kansas and the harvest, and I think it connects, and I'm going to share the story of oil and how this all connects and to where we're going, well, I think getting close to the last days. So I've always worked in the city for, for 18 years, but I come from a farming background, not me personally, but my heritage is. And so farming's normal and talking about wheat and the harvest. So I'm leaving World Impact thinking we're going to just do the same thing with Disciple Nations. I showed up at a retreat. Now, I have, have had zero interest in small towns in Kansas to this date. I love the city. Wichita seems small to me. I, I was born in New York City. I always say that I got my call to urban ministry the first six weeks of my life living in New York City. Do you think that's true? Do you think God can speak to you? I don't, probably not. But I thought, I always wanted to live in the city. Bigger was better. And I get to this retreat in fall of 16, and suddenly all my Mennonite family, there, there was friendships. And I realized I deeply love these people. And they were asking me to come to Hillsborough and Bueller. And I was making connections in small, rural Mennonite towns. Fast forward a year, and I've always known my family is from Ukraine, but have not known much about that story. I've known a little bit about this story, and I found out there were Mennonite Brethren churches, this denomination that I was from, the Mennonite Brethren, that there were new churches, and they invited a team of us to go back to Ukraine. And so I started, the Lord asked me to dive into an old story. So I'm going to tell you the story of the Mennonites really quick. The Mennonites were the radical reformers. If you go back to the 1500s, they were believed in, in, in a second, um, not se but not being baptized as, as infants. So you had Luther and Calvin leaving the Catholic Church, and here came the Mennonites, Menno-Simons. And they were really radical. And so fast forward 200 years to 1775, they had migrated. They were very poor farmers, and Catherine the Great in Russia, inherited this land in Ukraine, and she invited these Mennonites to come to Ukraine to settle in this land. Now, what was amazing about the land in Ukraine, it had amazing, amazing soil. It was fertile, and so these farmers came, and, and favor fell on them. And so for 100 years... They had this amazing farming system and grew amazing wheat. And by the end of their farming, by the end of the time, they were exporting wheat to, to all of Russia, to like 10 countries in the world, all the way to Indonesia. They're exporting wheat. Well, in 1874, 100 years in, things were changing in Ukraine. And so they started sending scouts over. And the Mennonites came carrying these uh, carrying carts and chests 
with wheat berries, turkey red wheat, the winter wheat. And they came to Kansas and they realized the climate and the soil was the same here as it was in Ukraine and they settled here. And so they settled in places like Hillsboro. And my, one of my fifth generation great-grandpas was the second settler of the Mennonites in Hillsboro in Marion County. They came to Bueller and Heston. Well, we don't need to have a huge prophetic IQ, but what does we symbolize? If we talk about the harvest and the natural, we know. It means a, a harvest in the spiritual. And so that's this story, but like any story, the enemy has other plans, doesn't he? God has a plan to do something in revival in the kingdom, but the enemy does. And so when the Mennonites started coming, we know in Ukraine and Russia, that was during, right before World War I, and lots and lots of persecution, and all the Mennonites ended up having to flee. You get to the 19, late 1920s, 1930s, and anybody know about the Red War? Or I'm, Red Famine. The Red Famine. They had a, a four to six year with Stalin famine, a controlled famine. And they came in and starved, and they think up to six to 10 million people. And the end of the Mennonites, they would have fled all during this time. See, there was really, really rich soil. Fertile soil. I heard stories that Hitler, even during World War II, would come grab the soil from Ukraine. There's an inheritance, I believe, for Ukraine to be a harvest country. But the enemy came to still kill and destroy and to steal that inheritance. But God preserved the Mennonites by bringing them to Kansas. And so they've had a great history and a great legacy of, of farming. Kansas is considered what? The wheat state, the bread basket of the world. That's one of the names for Kansas. And when you see the wheat fields, that came from the Mennonites. And so the Lord's had me on this journey as I've experienced part of my calling and what the Lord's asked me to do is go to small towns to train and help people understand the gifts of the Spirit, to help them understand the, kin the kingdom, to understand their first love, their calling. Because just like I think in Ukraine, where the enemy came in, I've seen that in, in some of the towns where, where it's easy to get stale and stagnant. And so the Mennonite towns are coming to life. One of the fun things, last night at Friday Equip, we had 20 to 30 Mennonites coming because they see what God's doing in our equipping services. They're learning about the presence of God. God's doing something new. So how does that connect here? That's one story. Well, let me say, as I'm here, I've loved the story of El Dorado. For, I asked Sam to tell me stories. We've talked a lot. I've talked to Jonathan. You guys have a legacy here. There's a story in the natural as well, right? That has spiritual significance. And we don't need to, you guys know the story. This is your history. But 105 years ago, it's 1915, right? 1915 and 16, there's an oil boom. And we know that out of this oil boom, it helped shifted the war of World War I and it funded the, the aircrafts, the airplanes and these companies. That, the oil from here helped fund and make Wichita what it is. 
And so that's Sam's story, right? He's reading at the, the museum in the 90s. And, and so how many of you were part of the drilling meetings? You've been part of prayer meetings, lots. For, for 25, 28, 30 years, there's been people that have faithfully prayed and prayed and prayed long before disciple nations around, long before I knew this story of the Mennonites, long before what we see happening, there was faithfulness of saints praying. And so one of the things is I'm going to share here about what I sense is I first felt like I am supposed to thank El Dorado for your prayers. Like I, I feel like there's a connection. I, I, I felt it even as I was praying this morning. Like I'm, I'm a son of this house. I'm a son of what God has done in El Dorado for 30 years. What I am doing with the Mennonites to share about the presence of God is a miracle and it's because of what El Dorado did and sowed for decades of prayer. And so I want to say thank you, Sam. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Dick. Thank you in here for the faithfulness of prayer. So my, my question would be, is, is that season over for El Dorado? Was that a season that God did... Because we do go through dry seasons, correct? Like, there's times where it's, it's, like, it's easy to pray. And then there's seasons it's hard again. And as I've talked to Jonathan, just, it's, he's shared that at times in his own life, it's been hard at times to keep tilling the soil, to keep drilling. And so that was the word. You can look at it on the email. I don't have to read it. But that was my sense at 2017 when I came. I started to understand this story. I had a sense, oh, wait. God's got something amazing waiting for El Dorado. But that there was going to have to be a, a deeper drilling. That there had been some oil and presence that had came in the 90s and the 2000s. And that it had came and you had this initial equip service. And there was something happening and there's... Yeah, we're tasting, and there's lots of prophetic. But then things have moved, and now things have scattered, and, and we're out in Wichita, and we're in these towns, and there is a remnant back. But I had a sense then that there's been a hard season. That, I'm just going to speak. I don't actually know this. So if you don't agree, that's okay. I'm going to speak into just things I've sensed. That there is a season that, that maybe that has been like, wow, is, is it worth praying three times a day again? Is it worth praying day and night? Is it worth fasting? Is it worth believing that God's going to do something great again? Or did we pray? Did we, was the assignment done? That's been my sense. I've been, been wrestling. So let me give a couple texts here. The first passage I want to read is out of Luke I think it's Luke 18. I'm sorry, I didn't write copy just the scriptures. Yeah, chapter 18, Luke 18. And this is the parable of the persistent widow. So let me just read this and then share one more story. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and what? Not give up. Can you look at your neighbor and say, don't give up? Say it louder, don't give up. Dennis, look at me, you can say it, don't give up. Okay, don't give up, Sam. 
Then he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said, even though I don't fear God or care what people think yet, because this widow keeps what? Bothering me. The widow just showed up day and night. Persistent, knocking, day after day, hour after hour, just kept asking, kept asking to the judge, pleading with the judge. And finally, this judge that was cold-hearted, didn't fear God, says, this lady's driving me nuts. Says, I will see that she keeps justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day or night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I'm wondering, El Dorado, who's the persistent widow? Is the Lord raising up again a persistent widow that's knocking, seeking, and asking, and going to the judge saying, Lord, will you bring justice to the poor? Will you bring justice in the world? Will you bring it just over and over and over and won't give up? And finally, the Lord's like, I just love them. I'm pouring out my spirit. I want to share a a story that kind of relates to this. So 20... 13, I told you, is when the Spirit came in my life. If, if I'm honest, I did not understand the secret place in that moment. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The, the place of presence in our inner man, and that's what Sam had to explain. I thought I had to go to conferences to experience the presence of God. I thought I had to go outward. And there was a grace. So I would, I would go to, to IHOP, to, to prayer there. I would go to worship events. And I went over and over. And, and it really was not out of bad motives. It wasn't to get adrenaline. It wasn't, it was, I just thought I had to experience the presence of God there. So I would go where the worship was. And I'm telling you guys for that year and a half to two, presence of God would come. People would give me words. It was affirming this calling of revival. And then all of a sudden it stopped one day. It's like, and then I was like freaking out. And, and so now I'm back to those hard days. I'm like, God, I can't live with the hard days anymore. I can't live like that. And so I'm riding my bike and I'm asking the Lord in 2014-ish, end of 2014, maybe 20, early 2015. I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, well, see, what was happening is you were going under the spigot of other people and you were jumping into their presence. You were coming over here, and you'd go to this place, and you'd get wet, and you'd go over here, and he, but then he showed me a picture. He says, this is your heart. He said, I'm drilling down in your heart, and there's a boulder in your heart. He's like, you have an oil reserve, and I've got to go get it, but I need to drill through your heart. Well, that's not fun. I like presents from other people. So if I'm honest, I've ignored that word, you guys, off and on. And the Lord's so faithful. And in last year, he really drilled in me in a deep way. Because he's finally like, yeah, you remember that word for your, like you've ignored it? I'm going to do it now. I'd asked you to submit to the drilling. Now I'm drilling. And he did. And it's been so good, the discipline of the Lord. 
And I'm learning that, oh, wow, I don't have to go to some. I can find the presence here. Why do I share that? Here, here's my sense as I wrap up with a couple thoughts. I think we're getting close to the last days. I think that's really clear if we're honest that, that something's different in 2020 than 2000, right? I don't know what, what's, if, do we have 10 years left? 20, 40, 80? But the nations are raging. Sam and I got an email about what's happening in Hong Kong. Things are changing radically. The, the, they gave us 10 things that were happening in Hong Kong and they said we couldn't have fathomed these things three months ago. Could you fathomed eight months ago that everywhere you'd go, people would be wearing masks? Like you couldn't have dreamed that. This is just the start. Now, are things going to go back to a little bit in a year? Maybe. Maybe we get three years of peace. Maybe five. What if we don't? What if we have riots? We don't know. I get a sense, though, that as things cook up in the nations, the Lord is ready to deposit the spirit and revival that we've been asking for. And so I'm here to tell you, I don't know if you're feeling it. I don't know if you're experiencing it, Elder Ray. I'm just, this is why I'm here, to share the Lord's doing it in this hour. That latter rain, they talk about the, the autumn rains and the spring rains. So there, were, there was an initial outpouring of the spirit. But I believe a lot of people say the latter rain, the, the, the rain that we've been waiting for, for, for worldwide revival, to a billion people they say are going to be saved. I believe we're starting to see that. I've been experiencing it in my own heart again. Revival, I, I had, felt it last night, something increasing. I felt it since we started to gather back together back since, since COVID. So I want to share the, this story out of, out of Elijah. Do you guys remember the, the, the whole showdown, right? Great story in 1 Kings 8. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but there had been drought for three and a half years. Basically, Israel was so wicked, Ahab's with Jezebel, and Elijah prays. He says, it's not going to rain, and sure enough, it stopped raining. Can you imagine no rain in Bible times for three and a half years, right? That would be very hard for the crop. So Elijah goes and hangs out, hides out, no rain. They're ready to find him. Here he comes. They're like, there he is. All the prophets are dying. It's a chaotic time in Israel. Here he goes. He challenges Baal. He wins. The fire of God comes. And then we get to this story. The end. And so Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink. Go party. Go. Go chill out. For there's the sound of heavy rain. So let me ask you, what is Elijah hearing? Is he hearing it in the natural? Is it like the sound like, like it's actually happening? No, there was no rain. No rain. This is the prophet of God hearing something. So Ahab went to eat and drink. I think probably Elijah did to get rid of Ahab, right? Go get out of here. I need to be with my servant. I'm going to pray. So here's what happens. He climbs to the top of, of top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground. He put his face between his knees. So I, is he praying? And he says, go, go look towards the sea, he tells his servant. So the servant goes and he looks, comes back, no rain. Elijah's like, no, no, you need to go. The sound, I heard it. I heard the sound. It's coming. Big rainstorms, I know. So he goes again, looks, no, 
Is he complaining? What's the sir? Like, how long of a path was that? Was that 100 yards? I don't know. But how long did he walk? And what's he doing on his way back? Man, that stupid Elijah, why am I his servant? He's asking me to go look. There's no rain. This guy's crazy. Three times. Four times. Five times. Six times. And on the seventh time he looks, he's like, he comes back. This is me, sanctified imagination. Like, Elijah, it's a, it's a cloud. It's coming. And Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with crowds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, tucking his cloak in his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I think the story of the persistent widow, the story of my own heart digging, I think, what God is doing, and then these clouds, this is... I think the story of what God wants to do in El Dorado in this season. So here's, here's just my thoughts as I, I close. It may not seem in this town or seem in your own life like revival's just right around the corner. It's easy to, to look at our circumstances in the nation and picture what in the world is going on. And so there are two narratives, aren't there? There is the story of what the devil's doing right now. And if you want to know it, go on the news and get on your Facebook posts. And then there you go. And you can see the strategy of the enemy. Complain, division. But there is a story of what Jesus is doing. And it's coming to those of us that are praying and being persistent of knocking and looking for the rain and believing in faith that God is going to do something new. So here's my wholehearted belief for the town of El Dorado. It was 1915, and we are 105 years later, and I believe, how do I have spiritual evidence for this? I don't. This is just my sense, okay? I believe that the Lord has stored up a deeper oil reserve for this time for you guys, that you've only just started to experience what God wants to do in these days. But it comes through fasting. It comes through prayer. It comes through digging. It comes from willing to be broken and to be spent. How long does that take? Do you guys need to do it for one year? Two years? When's it coming? I don't know. I just know that there's a history and there's a destiny on this town to be a place of presence, to be a place of oil. It's not lost on me that you have a fifth generation oil man now leading. The Lord moved Sam, positioned him on to bring a fifth generation, a son from this town that's been raised up here, that's an oil man in the natural, but carries the presence of God. And I wholeheartedly believe that the Lord has put a destiny on Jonathan Brickley to lead in this town, to lead in prayer, to lead in worship, to cultivate. And I believe what happens here, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't have pictures of that. I just feel faith that what happens here is going to deeply affect the rest of the state of Kansas. It's going to affect my Mennonite towns. 
It's going to affect revival in these small towns. It's going to affect what we're doing. So my encouragement, keep on praying, El Dorado. Keep drilling. Keep digging. Keep going after it until you experience the rain, the oil. Keep going. Don't give up. So I'm going to pray probably talked a little bit longer than I was planning, but hope that was okay. We've got some time. I, I just want to pray. We're not going to do, JC, you can just stay there. I'm just going to ask the Lord to come because I didn't share this word at the beginning because I'm hoping just that was encouragement. The reason I, I talked to John and I felt there was a spirit of discouragement trying to come in over this call. When I first prayed, beginning of the week, John said, do you have anything? I was like, the only thing I have is I, I feel discouraged, and that's what confirmed to Jonathan. He's like, yeah, that's what we're experiencing. So I'm going to first pray against discouragement. We're going to try to break that off, pray against that. And then we're just, I'm just felt, Lord, to refire our hearts in the place of intercession again. So does that sound good? We just pray that. So if you're listening online, you're listening later, to meet, yeah, let's just, again, go to our hearts. And I just want to think about that image that the Lord showed me. And maybe there's not a boulder. Maybe you're just feeling life. But if there's dryness, would you be willing just to ask the Lord? Like, Lord, what's keeping me from experiencing that oil? So just sit for, for 30 seconds right now. Just got to just ask that you would reveal, Jesus, if there's been boulders in our hearts, blocks, that's kept us discouragement, that's set in heaviness, I'm just asking Jesus right now, come. Just, just in these seconds, Lord, just speak. So Jesus, we just invite you into that place. I'm asking for a season of searching, revealing. And we pray, God, or if there's been roots of the enemy, if he's came, and we just pray against the spirit of discouragement, the spirit of heaviness that's came through media, that's came through COVID, that's came through fear. And Jesus, we repent if, we've conf if we have partnered with it. And I'm asking, God, that you would break discouragement off this El Dorado crew. God, whatever heaviness, whatever has came, we're just saying, Jesus, you break that stronghold. Even right now, over Zoom, anybody watching later, just, just Holy Spirit, you do it. Depression, anxiety, things that come with all the heaviness. And we pray Jesus, just the benefits of the cross, of the joy, that you would replace sadness with joy, heaviness with, a, with rejoicing. Where there was shame, God, you would restore us from shame. Thank you, just even for the McGathys. I bless the McGathy family as they sit here, Jesus. God, you have brought them from so much. And I'm asking, God, that this would be a season that they would know you deeply and that, Jesus, all the, the reproach from the past, thank you that you're completely taking that off them. 
the whole reproach, the whole embarrassment, the whole that Jesus, thank you that the past is so in the rear mirror. It's like, wow, I kind of remember being like that. But thank you for the new normal of walking in the kingdom, of walking in grace, of walking um, in victory. And so we just anoint Chris and Julia McGathy, God, for what you're doing in this hour, that you'd raise them up to be leaders. God, I pray over the other house church leaders, God, just anointing in their homes as they go to get this monthly house church. We're asking for anointing for them. And then I'm just going to ask, wherever you're at, if, if you want, just to hold your hands out. It's, you don't have to do that. The Lord, it's your heart. But I just want to pray that the Lord would, would just release. And if you're at home, and again, watching, I'm just going to just pray for the Spirit, just again, to bring a, a spirit of refreshment. So Holy Spirit, I thank you, Jesus, for this town. I thank you for hundreds and hundreds, thousands of prayer meetings, faithfulness at the well, faithfulness to pray. But Jesus, we need new manna. We need new wine. And so I'm asking God. Thank you what you've done in my life, what you've done through Sam, the prayer meeting. And we're asking, would you, God, release more of the Holy Spirit? Would you stir it up? Just bless everybody in this room, everybody that's listening on Zoom. God, on the video later, just Holy Spirit, come. We're asking wisdom for the prayer strategy, not yesterday's strategy, today's. How do we go around Jericho this year? That we'd listen. Again, wisdom for John, wisdom for Lizzie, for God, the strategies for, the, for 2021, for 2022, business strategies. And Jesus, we are asking for the oil of the Spirit that's been saved, God, that you've been waiting and storing up and just we, God, that you would pour it out, that you would pour out the prophetic, you would pour out in greater measure revival in El Dorado and oil springing up from below, God, that would then flood to the nations. And we again say yes to this assignment. There are global consequences for what Kansas does in prayer. So we say we will pray, Jesus. El Dorado will be a praying town. Wichita will be a praying city. We will pray in Kansas. We will, we will pray. We will say yes to this in our hearts. So Lord, we thank you for tonight. Just bless the saints here. Bless, 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 bless. Bless this building. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. And love you. Thanks for letting me be with you tonight. Have a great evening and a great day tomorrow. Amen.